0: Teresa Benedict of the Cross once said, everywhere the need exists for maternal sympathy and help. Welcome to the 25th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth, one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want people to see the importance and value of a maternal kind of love that we all have the capacity to share with one another as we walk along our journey. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, Kelsey came around to ask, can you talk about navigating a conversation with a Catholic who truly believes if you pray more than you will be healed? I absolutely have to start by saying this right off the bat. Christ can heal us. Prayer has the power to bring peace, healing, and consolation. God can 100% step into our world, our brief moment in the timeline of existence, and allow a miracle to take place. And that intervention can definitely be brought about through prayers. All that being said, it's a very unhelpful thing to tell someone who's in the midst of suffering and personal crisis that if they just believed enough, just prayed enough, just had enough faith, everything would work out. It doesn't. And I could literally talk for hours about this topic, but I'm going to limit my response here to just two specific points on this issue. Point number one, we see reality through a limited vantage point. And point number two, God comes to help us through others. I'll start with point one. We see reality through a limited vantage point. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 puts it this way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts we have to realize that we don't see the plan of our lives much less the wider world from the same vantage point as god god sees all of eternity and because of that he has a view of why things happen that we simply cannot have why does a child have to die Why did I lose my job? Why does my depression never seem to resolve? With our vision of the recent past, the present, and our hopes and dreams for the future, these sufferings cannot possibly make sense. And so we pray for the situation to be resolved in a way that makes sense given how we see our lives and the world at large. And no matter how hard we pray, no matter how much we focus, the bad outcome arrives. It occurs and we're left wondering why God wouldn't answer our prayers and And one of the answers is that we're praying for something that seems good to us. But if we could see reality from God's vantage point, we would understand why it happened the way it did in spite of our prayers. This is why the next level of prayer that we're always striving for is about trust in the providence of God. Trust that everything that happens is for our greater good or holiness, even when, and actually especially when, we wish it could go a different way. Okay, point number two. God comes to help us through others. This is a central belief in Catholicism that we can too quickly forget about when we're suffering. We beg and we plead for God to step into our lives and give us a miracle, all the while missing the actual intervention God is putting into our lives, the people around us. God comes to us through our families, our friends, through doctors and healing professionals, through our priests, bishops, and popes, and most prominently, he comes to us through Christ himself. God wants everyone to have peace and consolation and and that includes healing for mental health symptoms. But perhaps he wants that to come to us through therapy, through medication, through support groups, through a spiritual director, and maybe all of that is the answer to our prayers, not just the miracle healing we're looking for. Next up, Jojo stopped by. Can you talk about how to handle family members who don't respect parents' beliefs or boundaries and how to deal with that in the light of the gospel, i.e. being inclusive of others that don't share our beliefs, not getting angry, staying humble, etc., while doing what is best for our children? Thanks for this one, Jojo. And why don't we stop and pray for everyone trying to navigate the choppy waters of family members who are openly hostile to our beliefs and boundaries, that we may be shown the path forward by the Holy Spirit. every single one of us has to navigate this issue from time to time, especially with family get togethers around the holidays most of the time. I think family members are pretty good at respecting the beliefs uh, of other family members, or at least just not talking about the discrepancies, because what's the point of arguing about these things in a hostile way around kids, right? But sadly, some of us have family members who aren't able to respect those boundaries, and then we're left trying to figure out how to handle the situation with the best interests of our kids in mind. My answer isn't easy, even for me, but it's basically to keep it cool, deflect negative interactions, and remind the kids both on the way to family events and on the way home that not everyone understands things the same way we do or understands things in the same way that we do. Um, And that's okay. We have to respect everyone. And even if they don't like our beliefs, even if they're hostile toward us, we still have to treat everyone as Jesus wants us to. And if the family member won't accept the request to leave the topic alone, it'll have to come to a one-on-one adult conversation where the request is clearly made for it all to stop, at least for the sake of the children. And I mean, most people would say, okay, all right, and let it go. And if they still don't, keeping distance for the sake of our children to have that peace may be the strategy we have to employ, sadly. But always, the power move as a parent is to explain things to your kids so they understand why you are making certain choices, and in the moment to remember that they're watching us, right, and learning from us, and hopefully that will help all of us to act in a way we can be proud of. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to share a little bit about the Saint Augustine. (music) We all know St. Augustine, typically portrayed as someone who went from sinner to saint in one of the most dramatic turns passed down through the ages. He went on to become one of the most well-known saints of all time and is pretty much loved by everyone. But do we ever stop to think about him and his emotional state more deeply? I mean, are the guys out there partying and living that kind of life really happy? In reality, Augustine dealt with a great deal of suffering and experienced severe depression and untold grief. AllAboutPhilosophy.org notes, he witnessed things that just couldn't be reconciled with theological doctrine. It was this irreconcilable trade-off between truth and evil that kept Augustine jumping from philosophy to philosophy for over a decade. His mood swings, his angsty behaviors, and his rebelliousness were a lot for those around him to deal with. According to an article on Alatea, after his mother died in during the more than 40 years that followed, Augustine's powerful personality would still manifest itself frequently in a propensity to implacable anger and to severe depression. He lifted himself up from the abyss by means of prayer, sacrifice, and work. Keeping himself busy was a great remedy. So we can now look back on St. Augustine as not only an incredible model of holiness and a great example of what it means to fall into the arms of God and find peace after a life of searching for it in all the wrong places, but also a saint who copes with mental health symptoms similar to the ones that we face in our own lives and one who continued to work through those symptoms even after his dramatic conversion and we can all ask for his intercession as we strive for wellness in our own walk through the dark valley we like to close this part of the podcast out with a prayer and today we're going with the prayer for self-knowledge lord jesus let me know myself and know you and desire nothing save only you Let me hate myself and love you. Let me do everything for the sake of you. Let me humble myself and exalt you. Let me think of nothing except you. Let me die to myself and live in you. Let me accept whatever happens as from you. Let me banish self and follow you and ever desire to follow you. Let me fly from myself and take refuge in you. That I may deserve to be defended by you. Let me fear for myself. Let me fear you. And let me be among those who are chosen by you. Let me distrust myself and put my trust in you. Let me be willing to obey for the sake of you. Let me cling to nothing save only to you. And let me be poor because of you. Look upon me that I may love you. Call me that I may see you and forever enjoy you. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. First up Rachel stops by to ask, when I was 18 I was sexually assaulted and I suffered from severe depression and PTSD as a result, having to be hospitalized to prevent myself from suicide. I'm so much better now thanks to the glory of God and I'm even discerning religious life. I've had negative experiences though with religious orders and mental health. Do you think orders are wrong to count me out because of a history of mental illness? What needs to change? Rachel. Thank you so much for checking in and can we all just stop for a second and pray for Rachel and all victims of sexual assault that they may find peace in the midst of the trauma that they never should have been made to suffer and that God's justice may reign on those who perpetrate such heinous acts. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful o mother of the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in thy mercy hear and answer me amen again rachel i am so deeply heartbroken over the pain you suffered and feel like glorifying god that you were able to find healing and support as you moved forward blessed be god for that Now to your question, do I think religious orders are wrong to count you out because of your history of mental illness? My immediate answer is yes. Religious orders are wrong to count you out simply because of your absolutely normal and appropriate reaction to the trauma you experienced. That being said, I think orders have to make hard calls sometimes because they know the demands of the life they lead, they know the dynamics of the community they live in, and they know ultimately who might best fit fit into that life and who might struggle or bring difficulty to others in that community. It's important to note that there are all kinds of things that might lead to an order discerning us out. And while from an outside perspective we might think it's because of one certain thing, we might not be able to see the depth of the reasons that go into the decision. Keep in mind a ton of saints were turned down from religious orders or vocations they thought they were called to only to find a different path. At the same time, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. As St. Paul says, we are one body. We all need each other, and I don't believe closing the door to a religious order solely on the grounds of a history of a mental health diagnosis and treatment is a good path forward, given the way St. Paul shows us uh, in in the line I just quoted. Perhaps it's time for a religious order made up of individuals who have received mental health treatment in their past, who can live out the charism of helping those currently struggling with their mental health at the present. Can you imagine the beauty of the witness of such an order? And in reality, there are some orders who specifically accept people with previous mental health symptoms, treatment, and individuals who are taking medication to help them thrive as God wants them to. So it's totally worth checking out. We'll be praying for you, Rachel, as you continue to explore God's call in your life next up anonymous is here my therapist recently suggested I call out a close Catholic friend for not making time for me I said I didn't think it seemed right to call him out I wished my friend would prioritize our friendship but didn't believe I was entitled to my friend's time my therapist suggested that my friend needed my help to see that he was wrong to ignore me and asked what my faith teaches about calling out others wrongs this is complicated because while I'm not theoretically supposed to uh, theoretically opposed to calling out bad behavior I'm not in a good position to judge whats good or bad because my own interests are involved how do we know when to put our needs behind those of others and when to speak out on our own behalf thank you anonymous for this one and let's all take a really quick moment to pray for anonymous and everyone who is stuck trying to figure out the best way to approach similar relationship difficulties glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen okay so my first piece of advice when it comes to almost any relationship questions is this one everyone comes into relationships with different expectations meaning i can think being a good friend means texting back immediately hanging out once a week or other things but my friend might have a completely different set of expectations of what it means to be a good friend which then leads to piece of advice number two no one can read our minds it isn't really fair to address a problem that I have in a relationship if the topic hasn't been brought up previously and expectations haven't been made clear, right? Like, I can't never talk to my wife about how I have a need for the heater to be set at 68 instead of 66 and then just one day bring up the topic out of the blue as a big problem that she should have known without me bringing it up earlier on, if that example helps. So, So what I mean is... We have to make sure everyone is on the same page with what expectations are before we can confront someone. And that can be something as simple as letting them know you need a friend today or asking if they have time to talk, go for a walk, grab a beer together, etc. We have to be willing to let our needs be known so that they might be able to meet those needs as a friend. With that out of the way though, I'll get to the uh, to your question specifically, how do we know when to put our needs behind those of others and when to speak out on our own behalf? And I think the answer lies in educating ourselves in the warning signs that we might be in a toxic relationship so we can know when we have to step up and say something or maybe get out. So some common themes for toxic relationships include a lack of trust, a hostile atmosphere, a relationship that seems occupied with imbalance, constant judgment, a lack of communication, continuous disrespect, control issues, persistent self-betrayal, feelings of unworthiness, vibes of entrapment, a shortage of autonomy, a relationship that's filled with criticism, or one where you feel like you just can't do anything right. Now, if you find yourself feeling these things in your relationship, they are huge red flags that it's time to put your own needs ahead of the other, speak out on your own behalf, and perhaps get out. So go with our prayers. Anna brings us home with this one my mother has been an alcoholic for most of my life but in the last 10 years it's gotten worse and worse she's also a narcissist so that makes the situation even more difficult because she blames us, her adult children our dad and their financial troubles for her alcoholism and insists that alcohol is necessary to cope it's left us all feeling unloved and unwanted. In the past two years I've began to separate myself from her emotionally and the only thing I can compare it to is like mourning the loss of a loved one because I think of all the times that she wasn't manipulative or under the influence and I long for that again. It's really difficult because I see her fairly often too and to top it all off she's completely lost her faith. Do you have any suggestions for how we could possibly help her or resources for the rest of us to help our own well-being during this difficult time in life? I feel very isolated over this because it feels shameful to talk about problems like this. There are so many people in a similar situation to Anna here, so I'd like to stop and pray for her and all of you who find yourselves looking for the best path forward and for healing for everyone suffering with addiction that they may find the peace God so desperately wants them to experience. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. That's right, that's how I pray the St. Michael prayer. (laughs) First, Anna, I need you to hear that you are not responsible for your mother's addiction neither are your siblings your father or any financial struggles or any other kinds of struggles that your mother may be blaming her addiction is an illness flat out and no one says it's your fault that i have hypertension right of course circumstances can contribute to someone turning to a substance to cope with their emotions or life stress but it's never anyone's fault that it happens Next, it is most definitely a situation similar to mourning the loss of a loved one as you mentioned. Separating yourself even for your own health and the health of your family may be a choice you have to make, but it's still a difficult choice filled with emotions and nagging questions like, is this really what's best for my mother and my family? I'm guessing you've thought really deeply about it, prayed about it, etc., and come to the hard conclusion that most likely the answer is yes. Not only because you need that peace, but also because the separation keeps your mother from hurting you further, which deep down she really doesn't want to do. But it's always important to remember to tell our loved ones that the door is never closed. You'll always be there for them when the situation is healthier for everyone involved and that you love them deeply. As far as resources to help your mother, it's important to know that she needs to get to a point where she actually wants to get help for her addiction. And once she's in that place, there are tons of options to help her along the journey. You just have to look up the specific ones that are in your area. But for you and your family, I'd suggest Al Anon. You can look them up for local meetings as well, a group that helps. Uh, people whose loved ones are suffering from addiction. Not only will these groups give you the peace of knowing that you definitely aren't alone in all the things that you mentioned in your question, but they'll also help you to more objectively see all the different issues playing into the addiction and how addiction really becomes a family systems issue, not just an issue with the person suffering the addiction firsthand. I want you to know that it's completely normal to feel isolated ashamed and hopeless when it comes to a situation like this in one of our families but there is hope there is community and there is peace and I pray that you and your family will be able to find it all right everyone that's it for today's episode Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com grexley to see all the great things that they've got going on and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will Saint Dymphna.